Hi, this is Ilka Cassidy with Passive House Accelerator, and thanks for tuning in to the special bonus episode of the Passive House podcast recorded at FiesCon 23 in Houston, Texas. And a big thank you to Solar Windows for their support of the series. Hi, Christoph Irvin. <laughs> Hello, Oprah Cassidy. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad uh, to be here. Yeah, great. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Yes, I can. Um, well, I'm an engineer and I am somehow found myself as the role of a principal of a firm of about 20 people, engineers, architects, builders, HVAC contractors, and we all work together doing uh, consulting on projects and MEP engineering. And the consulting is enclosure consulting and building science consulting. And I actually wanted to talk to you about modeling, yes. but I just attended your session and it was one of the most inspiring sessions I've seen so far. Wow. And I would like you to talk about it a little bit. Wow. It seemed very important. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of important messaging that you seem to to it was alive spread. in me and ready to come out is, <laughs> yeah. is, is the way I think about it. And uh, I think I can actually tie it in to modeling in the sense that, um, you know, so the word building science means something to us and to all our people listening probably. And building science is a model of reality in the sense that we, we think of a, a building as a system of systems. Um, and what, what that allows us to do is... is Think of the building holistically. And that's really important because we know what the outcomes we want from buildings are. We want them to be healthy. We want them to be safe and comfortable and durable and low energy using. Um, and to get those outcomes, it really matters to understand the interconnections between how a building functions. And then actually going slightly deeper into building science, we do this thing called modeling, right? Your firm does it very deeply. And again, that's, that's a, an example of, well, let's think about everything really kind of clearly, but also all together in one spot. And so it, it just struck me that there's this, there's this reality that we're at this spot where our building science understanding, our technical understanding, as well as our technical capabilities as an industry, right? You and I are both part of that aspect of society that delivers buildings to society. And in that context, it, it, is our, it is our role and our role power to do it right, right? We really need to do it right. And we are doing it right, and yet it's, it's a drop in the ocean, right? It's not really happening at scale. I think, I think we all know and our listeners know that there's, there's some serious imperatives to, to get this to scale up and to be more impactful. And so... What I, what came to my mind, and it came through conversations with Graham. Graham Irwin and I have just somehow ended up like this little philosophy club. We call each other every now and then. And, um, so we had some conversations and, um, they stemmed out of a conversation at the last Passive House contract, a conference. And it ended up being we wanted to talk about, well, there's other systems here, right? There's this system of the AEC industry. And you can even go beyond that. The AEC industry is, is immersed in a larger societal context 
of information flows and idea flows. And they aren't opaque black boxes. There's something called system science, right? There's behavioral science. And then, well, just pausing there. So at the societal level, if we want to have impact as building science consultants, as passive house consultants, well, we need to think about how our ideas are received by and flow into and disseminate through this societal system in a way that we get the outcomes we want. And this is all kind of building in one direction. And then there's this, I talked about a third kind of larger context of the systems thinking, which is known as energy systems language. And it's uh, started in the 50s, Howard T. Odom. And he's brilliant. I mean, I encourage everyone to, to look for him, H.T. Odom. You can start in Wikipedia. Um, but he fundamentally decided to look very holistically at the Earth in space. And um, it also is a system of systems. And I think that it's, it's so clear that it's a system of systems to everyone and that it's like amazingly complex and, you know, infinitely kind of uh, interdependent. It's almost like, oh, we can't go there. We can't look at that system. But that brilliant dude did. And he said, well, let's think about it. We have this, this big sphere of rock, kind of rock in space, and it's got mass, so it's, it's got gravitational pull. It's pulled gases to it, and they're held there by gravity. We call that the atmosphere. And it's got this sun, this you know, giant thermonuclear fusion source radiating on it. We get a small bit of the sun's energy. It's got a molten core, which shields us from the solar winds. And it, it, uh, the molten core actually also leads to plate tectonics. Although I read just recently, we don't know how the plates started to move. We think it was the same asteroid strike that popped off the moon. So now we have this moon spinning around our planet and it's pulling the water and creating the tides. And then along with the sun and the uneven heating that the sun provides and this gravitational blob of gases on the surface, so you have uneven heating of the gases, so they move, that's called wind. So you can just start to see, you can just build up from these basic forces of sunshine, uh, deep earth heat, wind, um, gravitational pull or the tides, right? And they're all quantifiable. So the point is, what exists is energy system language ability to model the earth in the context of all its energy flows and then to recognize that the global human economy is a system embedded in that system and like okay the last thing kind of the last main point of this he used common units he uses the solar embodied joule to measure to you know it's obviously the solar input but he said let's map the joules of heating at the earth's core into solar embodied joule let's map the force of the wind right it's mass moving it's got an energy so we're going to map that into solar joules and then let's say everything in the global economy now can be referenced to these earth-centered units and this is getting a little more technical than i intended but the point is we have these we have these three large system contexts and we should avail ourselves of them i mean i, I really deeply believe, this is a little like maybe uh, bold to say, but um, DS has a technical committee. I really believe that that's an important vital function that needs to be supported by a systems thinking committee or a behavioral science committee or a social science committee to make our ideas more broadly relevant, to make them really flow through the world and have impact. And so that leads to Danella Meadows, the Club of Rome, you know, the Limits to Growth book from the 70s and then the update in the 2000s. And so this brilliant woman 
Danella Meadows, Dana Meadows, there was a book called Thinking in Systems that was published after her death based on notes she had collected. And her brilliance, her warmth, her human caring just shined through those words. And it's actually kind of crunchy technical words, system science words. But she says, if you want to have impact in a societal system rapidly, this is really important for Fias to understand, I think. If you want to have like rapid pervasive impact, you need to separate, you need to recognize that you can't do much about the laws of physics, the specific heat of water, the thermal conductivity of metal, right? Those are, those are fixed. You can certainly optimize those. But if you want that optimization to really have impact in society, what you need to do is you need to say, well, what are the goals of our society? What are the, what are the goals? Of, well, what are the information flows in our society? What are the goals of our society? And what are the fundamental paradigms of our society that lead to those goals and lead to those information flows? And, you know, you, she writes some of them, but like one of the core ones is, um, we live in a capitalistic material society, materialistic society. So, oh, I, Christoph Irwin, want to be happy. Oh, I need to have more capital. I need to have more material flows, you know. And you could say, ha, I'm also a mammal. I need to have more strong relationships. I need to look people like you in the eye and say, hi, I see you nodding. Um, and so a big one, a big, big paradigm that drives our world today is that the planetary resources are there to, to be processed and converted to human uses, human purposes, right? As though somehow there's this geobiosphere, which is basically a, you know, half a mile or so below the surface to a few miles, a couple miles up, where all living beings live, right? And all the weather is happening and all the planetary ecosystems are really um, growing and evolving. So that geobiosphere it is like our life support system, and we are part of it. And yet we treat it like it's this like, you know, store of resources that we just go get, and then we use them for human use. And then, by the way, we emit heat in massive amounts and chemical pollutants in massive amounts. Oh, and good luck, Earth. you got to process those, too. So what we have is this sort of um, triple-decker systems view, and that's, that's what I talked about. And so that, like, wrapping it all up is that... She talked about the concept of leverage points. And, and so we if you go farther from the fulcrum, what you want to do to operate a lever most effectively is you want to apply the force you have, which is, by the way, you and I, the effort we put into our jobs. That's force in the world. You want to apply that effort on the lever as far from the fulcrum as you can. And she says, well, closest to the fulcrum are physical constants. Next comes information flows. Next come the goals of the system. And the farthest are these paradigms. This one about like the Earth's here for our services for our use. And so, you know, the kind of the, the culmination of the talk was this, was this like, please, as you go through your day, recognize, try to recognize the paradigms that you're operating under, right? Like one of the ones that I know that I've found is like, oh, I just need to get it all done. Everything that's facing me, all this kind of fire hose aimed at a teacup kind of work that I feel is facing me. If I can just get all that done, then I can rest and then I can take some downtime, right? Well, what's really happened? I've fallen into this trance of the speed of our society and like I've stopped being a human being and started to become a human doing. And so realizing, oh, wait a minute. In fact, I just had a personal, I just had a death in the family and it, it, a close family and it really just like 
snapped in me like, no, time is short. You know, say your truths now. Uh, mend those relationships now. And uh, it really kind of led in a, in a positive way to this talk where I, I felt quite vulnerable at a passive house technical, supposedly technical conference, talking about human care and meaning and purpose. And, um, and just kind of like my, my last comment, you can see where you want to go with this, is that I've probably had at least two dozen people come up to me and say, oh my God, thank you so much. That was so, so useful for me. Yeah, including me. <laughs> yeah, including you. Yeah. No, I think, I think it's really important. And I, I actually, these are always my favorite sessions that just kind of snap you out of your usual, okay, I need to know more about this specific uh, right. detail or how do I avoid thermal bridging here or there. Exactly. Those are important, but it doesn't necessarily get you to a different level of thinking. That's right. So I oh, think yeah. that's, that's what a session like you have presented does. And I, I do think that it ties very, very well into a lot of the other sessions that I have seen nice. that are more technical. But I feel like a common sense is two things. One is a lot of people are talking about it is if we want to scale this, we can't just go and say, okay, go build a passive house and stay technical, right? You, there's a lot of people this, that say, especially coming to Texas, Everyone wants the same thing, but we talk about it differently. And in order to really reach that goal, that common goal, maybe you have to think about how you talk and who's your audience mm -hmm. and how do you communicate with everyone. So yeah. it kind of goes back to that human being, I guess, and really, really thinking about what, what are our values. Right. And it doesn't really matter what it's called or, I mean, it's, it, it matters why we do it. Yeah, right, absolutely. but it's it's so important just to define that that Im important common goal and just kind of try and communicate in 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 a way that we both understand. And I've heard this in in several sessions. You know, some were about HVAC, and some were about uh, trying to think about bringing passive house to other countries. Right, that that was one thing that's that was really um, interesting. And I, I actually did, did a session last year where we interviewed people from all over the world to see is there value in, in uh, adopting passive house in other countries. And I think what came out was the same thing. It really, you really have to look at who the audience is and where they are, what the climate is, and what the, the vernacular architecture is because they've dealt with their climate culture yeah. for so long. So you can't just go in and say, here, this, these are, this is the newest technology and this is how we do it. You have to kind of find that common human ground, yeah. right? And then the other thing that I think I, totally resonates is finding that measurement that is comparable, right? Finding a unit where you can actually now compare things with each other because that is what energy modeling does. Mm -hmm. That is what FIA certification is. You're setting parameters so you yeah. can compare different buildings with each other. And we took the, the workshop together, the carbon... Um, yeah, yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, that was really good with Chris Magwood and, and Jacob Lucas. And, and um they also said the most important thing, if, you, if we want to um, put value into this carbon accounting, if these numbers 
mean anything, we have to find the same um, like database, basically. Everyone right. has to use the same da database so that, that things become comparable. And we have to set up parameters so that we can communicate with each other on a um, level that actually means something. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, and so I think that well, what comes up for me when you speak is that there is this again. I mentioned we're a capitalistic society, and there's, there's this unspoken rule that like or unspoken goal that says I'll be happy, which means I'll feel safe and I'll feel effective and I'll feel. Uh, appropriate in the world if I have money, right? As though somehow the money actually affects my emotions directly. You know, of course, at some base, you, you need to get some past some basic thresholds to have your needs met, which all of us at this conference are past. But it's it's not sufficient to to traffic in facts in society and assume that those facts are going to convince people. So, like with carbon. There's a lot, it's very easy to just fall into, you know, scary facts <laughs> and say how, you know, and, and in fact, even to remember that carbon itself, carbon accounting is a proxy for environmental uh, degradation and, you know, resource depletion, species extinction, and we're a species, right? So it's not even about carbon, but um, I'm kind of losing my own point here, but the point is to recognize when you're, when you're talking with someone just like you, they want to have a high quality of life. They want to feel safe. And, you know, we live in a world right now that I don't think I have to point this out. That there's, there's like this divisiveness that's coming. Are you in my group or out of my group? And what's underneath both of those, like let's say you're, there's two sides on a, on a certain societal issue. Underneath both, in the hearts and minds of each people on the opposite side, is a human being... Like this is like thinking of a human as a system or a human consciousness as a system is they want to feel safe and they feel safe by making a mental model of the world and then operating kind of behind the rules of that model. And it's nice to think that they want to feel safe because what it says is <clears throat> whatever quote side you're on at the core of you is this, is this sensitivity, this tenderness that feels like it needs protection to be safe. And then that protection is just layer after layer after layer. What's uh -huh. interesting about that is you said mental model. Yeah. That was the, the start of my talk. Yeah. <laughs> but the problem is everyone has a different mental model. Yes. Right? Slightly different. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's it's yeah, it's really interesting because going back to the modeling topic, <laughs> um, yeah. that is a way to align almost mental models. Yes. That's a lot what we do with... Uh, Call them out. Yeah. What are the unstated assumptions in your paradigm? Yeah, or even like what we do is building basically virtual twins of buildings, right? And we have those on the computer, on the screen, and everyone looks at exactly the same thing. And we found that just to be such a powerful communication piece because there's no room for different mental models, right? This is the one model that everyone is looking at, and that's kind of how you align and you can flash detect and you can do all these different things. Yeah. So. That's beautiful. Yeah, and I could actually dovetail into that, like, um, this, this idea of clash detection or something is that um, 
In fact, I, I said that Danella Meadows leverage points moving away from the fulcrum, the, that the farthest was paradigms. There's actually one more, and it's called transcending paradigms, which means to notice, well, first of all, as soon as I tell you, oh, you and I are living in a capitalistic society with, with a, this, this paradigm of Earth's resources are here for our use, uh, and that money is, is equivalent to safety or something, you say those things, they're less true now. You're less caught by that paradigm. And in being less caught by that paradigm, you can see how having that paradigm causes you to behave in ways that are actually dissonant with the outcomes you want. And so you get to this transcending paradigms place where you can remap your own model. And you, can, you know, and, and that's a vulnerable place, but it's also an extremely powerful place to affect rapid and pervasive societal change, which is why I'm so seduced by it. <laughs> well, let's, let's change society. You're here, and, and we are, we are. We are. Let's change yeah. it faster. <laughs> let's do it faster. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, thank you, it was a pleasure.